more of this recession illusion, but it's gotten to be friggin' Orwellian at this point. Janet Yellen says there is not going to be a recession. Therefore, it's like we can't admit that there's substantial weakness that we would all associate with a recession. The financial media refuses to use that term. Companies don't want to say it. So instead, we're left with, hey, the economy's resilient, except for all of these ways in which the economy is not resilient. We talked about this yesterday with German trade statistics, how by nominal view, the economy looks decent, not as good as in this year as it had been last year. It wasn't really good to begin with, but by nominal terms, it slowed down a little. But then you look at volume, you think, holy crap, things have gotten really bad. And if nominal spending and nominal behavior slows down, the entire world has to adjust to where volumes are, and that's a big problem. Both big, big term, big picture, macroeconomics, as well as microeconomics. Let me give you an anecdote to illustrate what I'm talking about here. What the hell am I talking about here? This is from uh, just a couple weeks ago. Taiwan Semiconductor announced that it was speeding up the installation of a facility it's installing in Arizona. Part of this onshoring, decoupling from China effort. We got to get more semiconductor chips made in the United States because after the supply shock and the pandemic and everything in 2020 and 2021, we got to make our own stuff again. So you would think that Taiwan Semiconductor, as they had, had, had intended all along, would be, let's get this facility up and running. And that's what they announced just a couple weeks ago. Taiwanese chipmaker TSMC, or Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, said on Thursday, late June, it is sending more workers from Taiwan to the U.S. state of Arizona to help build a massive $40 billion factory to ensure its, quote, fast ramp up. Again, supply shock, shortage of chips. They said, let's build them in the United States. We're going to get all sorts of tax incentives and government help. So let's get this thing up and running. And we'll have it up and running by 2024 because the world needs semiconductors. Well, just a couple weeks later, as of today, July 20th, this is what the same company now says. Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company will delay production at its new Arizona-based chip plant in 2025 due to a shortage of skilled labor, the company's chairman said on the company's second quarter earnings call on Thursday. So the labor shortage has has bitten Taiwan Semiconductor. They're no longer to they're no longer sticking to their fast ramp up plans that they were sticking to just a couple weeks ago. Now saying we're gonna we're gonna have to delay production an entire year because of a shortage of skilled workers. Hmm. I wonder instead what was in that earnings conference call because maybe it's not this red hot shortage of skilled workers. Maybe instead it's the recession that we're not really supposed to talk about. And we will talk about it, but first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, if you're interested, Eurodollar University has memberships available. Where? We go into the Eurodollar details. What is money nowadays? What does it mean in the Eurodollar context? What is a reserve currency? And why isn't the Eurodollar performing the roles of a reserve currency? And what does that actually mean? If you really want to know what it actually means, I have research subscriptions available for you. I contribute a daily briefing at marketsinsiderpro.com, as well as a daily deep dive analysis. That's at the Eurodollar University website where we dive deep into all of these money and macro topics, usually where those two come together and the trouble they create together. 
all the information available for you, memberships as well as research subscriptions, you can get, check it out at our website, eurodollar.university. It is easy to blame problems on something like a shortage of skilled workers. It's better than the alternative, where the alternative is saying, yeah, we really got to ramp down our plans here. We got to let down a lot of government officials who have been counting on us because recession. Here's what Taiwan Semiconductor said today in their earnings report. Three months ago, we were probably more optimistic, but now not. The recovery of the Chinese economy is weaker than we thought, so end market demand is not as we expected. Although we have very good AI end market demand, there's the AI bubble, it is not enough to offset that weakness. So Taiwan Semiconductor is saying, hey, we were, we were ready and willing and able a couple months ago and even a couple weeks ago to ramp up our production, but guess what? China's not performing up to snuff. We thought China reopening was gonna be a big deal. So here we see in this anecdote, an example of globally synchronized. You have weakness, disappointing weakness in China, which is getting worse, not better, leading this one company to say, let's blame a shortage of skilled workers in Arizona to scale back our plans to make new chips that we can't sell in the marketplace because the marketplace is completely stuffed with chips right now, because that's the other thing Taiwan Semiconductor blamed. They said, moving into the third quarter of 2023, we expect our business to be supported by the strong ramp of our three nanometer technologies. Yeah, it's always the new, new shiny toy, but partially offset, more than partially offset by the earnings report, by customers' continued inventory adjustment. In other words, the business climate the globally synchronized environment, macro environment, is telling Taiwan Semiconductor, you don't need new production facilities in Arizona, at least not anytime soon. Maybe by 2025, when the market starts to heal itself and recovery starts to happen then, but even then, we've heard this recovery story before. So blaming skilled workers or a shortage of skilled workers for the lack of meeting their deadline, be un, being unable to meet their deadline, they probably could meet their deadline if the demand was there. That's the point. You got weakness in China. They're not abandoning the facility in Arizona, but they're slowing it way down. So there will be an impact in the United States from a globally synchronized problem. And where is Taiwan Semiconductor's business problem coming from? It's not just some general weakened environment. It's not just some, some non-specific issue. Back in May, Apple Computer reported its results, and Apple's results were not great. Their overall sales, the top line revenues, fell for the second straight quarter in that quarter up until May. Sales, not just, not just profits, but sales declined two consecutive quarters in a row. We expect our June quarter year-over-year -year revenue performance to be similar to the March quarter assuming that the macroeconomic outlook, the outlook does not worsen from what we are projecting today for the current quarter. So they're saying, we already had two straight quarters of revenue declines. We're looking at if things don't get worse, maybe we'll have another revenue, a modest revenue decline in the June quarter. So macroeconomic factors, not shortage of skilled labor. We have a problem in the overall computing environment that is leading to all sorts of 
adjustments. Taiwan's semiconductor is having to adjust its business plans because of these macroeconomic headwinds. And even uh, CEO, Apple CEO Tim Cook blamed it on the same thing. After, after talking about Apple, how Apple's Mac sales were down 31%, he said, well, you know, that's a bad comparison because we had a really strong quarter in the, in the first quarter of 2022. But he said, there's really two reasons for our results. And one is the macro situation in general. And what is that macro situation? Let's keep going bigger picture, We're going from micro to macro. The global smartphone market declined by 11% year on year in the second quarter of 2023 as gloomy demand started to impact market leaders like Samsung and Apple, which had to reduce their sell-in the same quarter. Global smartphones, global computer sales, all of these. And it's not just the, the economy that was red hot or the, the transition to work from home, therefore the need for all this technology in 2020 and 2021. And now we're just normalizing to a pre-pandemic state. That's not what's going on here. Smartphones are one thing, but this is we see this all over the place. As again, as I mentioned yesterday with the German trade statistics, once you remove the nominal increases that pay, people were paying higher prices for goods, and you start having to you start having to to base your overall business and your future business plans on volume, where volume actually is, the world looks like world it looks like it's in a very very different place. And it always looks like it's going to be recovering because as you can see, Canalysis said, yes, after six quarters of really awful environment, really awful numbers, maybe now the smartphone industry is poised for a recovery. Although Taiwan Semiconductor would disagree and I think Apple Computer would too. But they said the same thing just a couple quarters ago. That's one of the major points here too, behind all of this. We keep hearing how this is the end. This is the end of the downturn. This is as far as it's going to get. Recovery is going to start. The, the business environment is going to firm up and then it'll, be, it'll return to growth in a couple quarters. What Canalysis said just a couple quarters ago, back in, back in the late part of 2022, about the smartphone industry was the same thing. This is what they said in January. Leading markets struggled with sharp shipment declines toward the end of 2022, hitting both Samsung and Apple hard, which we know. Despite showing some stabilization in the Q3, in Q3, Asia Pacific and Europe suffered their worst fourth quarter performances in history. Stocks piled up in top, top markets, even including India and China, leading to a disappointing final quarter. Meanwhile, economic distress dented consumer spending in North and Latin America. And as we know now, it only got much worse in the first and second quarters of 2023. If you're talking about economic distress and smartphones late in 2022, what do we call it in 2023? Doesn't matter what you call it as long as you don't call it a recession because we're not allowed to. There isn't going to be one, says Janet Yellen. But as the point I'm making here, several points. The biggest point is globally synchronized distress. That's probably a good word. We don't want to say recession, globally synchronized distress. And it goes from, from the top on down, causing businesses have to adjust their plans, their spending capacity, their spending plans to adjust everything, including more and more their workforce and deployment of workers in the, across their, their business lines because 
the overall environment isn't as good as the resilient economy that we keep hearing about. Another part of that, another part of the recession illusion that I think is, it goes along with the same thing that we're seeing in, in, in semiconductors and smartphones and technology, the US housing, US housing market. We got some data today from the National Association of Realtors where housing sales, resale, sales of existing homes declined again to almost the January lows when it doesn't seem like that should be the case given the fact that prices are rising for one thing. Here's the numbers that they came up with. Uh, for the month of June, existing home sales were 4.16 million seasonally adjusted annual rate. That was down from 4.3 million in May, but that, again, that was the worst since January and well off the high of 4.55 million in February. So there was an initial rebound and then slowly rolling back over again. But at the same time, while volumes are down almost 20% from last June, prices are about the same they're down just fractionally compared to last June when last June was a absolute record high. So prices are coming back up again. Why aren't we selling more houses in the United States? And the answer is nobody wants to sell their house. Available for sale inventory continues to decline and nobody will say why. They keep coming up with all of these excuses and explanations. They aren't blaming... Actually, they are blaming a shortage of skilled workers. That's what home, home builders are blaming for the slow ramping up of building new homes since Americans won't sell the homes that they're living in. We can't find enough construction workers. Otherwise, we'd be building a ton of new homes. And you just have to shake your head and shrug your shoulders. Here's an article from January of 2022. So more than a year ago, a year and a half ago, where they were struggling then, the media was struggling then to explain why Americans were not selling homes. Back then, inventories had already tumbled and they've only gotten worse. This is from, I believe, the LA Times. Why were inventories low in January 2022? They said, well, the holiday season, colder weather, surging coronavirus cases may have given sellers reason to put off listing their homes last month. Another factor is simply that homes have been getting snapped up so quickly, often within, within days of hitting the market, there are fewer listings that carry over from one month to the next. So they're saying that there's homes for sale, but they sell so fast they don't get listed, therefore they don't go into inventory. It's just nonsense. And that was January 2022. Cold weather, the Christmas, and the coronavirus. What about July of 2023 or June of 2023? We're in July 2023, the, the latest data from June. Well, according to Realtor.com, we're down a massive 36.4% from June of 2019. June of 2023 is already lower than June of 2022, which was already lower than June of 2021, which was lower than June of 2020. So really since 2020, listings fell off and they've never come back. Is it because of the pandemic? Some people said it's interest rates. Well, Nobody wants to sell their house and then get into a higher rate mortgage because then payments will have to be higher. But you're being compensated for that by the rising prices. And you would do that if you thought you could absorb the higher payment. That's really the answer here. Americans aren't selling their homes because they are not confident they can absorb higher payments. They're looking at the economy. They're saying, well, gasoline prices 
Food prices, even though they're not rising like they were, they're still higher than they were before. Our incomes did not make up for the difference. And we are not confident that the labor market and the incomes we're going to generate from it are going to be enough for us to take on a higher mortgage payment. And by the way, mortgage rates, they have gone sideways over the last almost year because mortgage rates are not set by the Fed, they're set by the market should do another episode on QT and its lack of impact on MBS and mortgage rates. But overall, whether it's housing, whether it's Taiwan Semiconductor, whether it's any of the weakness we see all throughout the economy, we're just not allowed to say it's recession. We can call it economic distress as long as we don't associate it with specifically the United States or Europe. We can say China's reopening is stumbling because there's something wrong with China, even though China's reopening, first of all, has to do with the global economy. And second of all, it will impact everyone around the global economy. This is globally synchronized. Maybe we shouldn't call it recession. Maybe we should just call it what it has been since 2008. I love Emil Kalinowski's term that he came up with here. It's a silent depression. And for a brief couple years, 2021 and the first part of 2022, People were fooled into believing, they were lulled into this false sense of recovery by the supply shock effect on prices. No more so than in the semiconductor industry, where things look great by revenue, but they weren't actually making enough chips to make it worth their while. Now that the revenues are declining, the inflation is coming down, we're seeing the economy for what it really is. We just can't call it that because we live in Orwellian times. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, Markets Insider Pro subscribers, and of course, all our Eurodollar University members. Until next time, take care.